Welcome to In Conversation with Our Food Future, the podcast series that's following the creation of Canada's first circular food economy here in Guelph, Wellington. I'm Barb Schwarzenschuber, Executive Director of the Smart Cities Office and host of this podcast series. On today's show, we're talking with folks from the Smart Cities Office about what a circular economy is how we transition from systems thinking to a circular model, and the role smart cities play in the development of a circular economy. So let's pull our chairs around the kitchen table and get the conversation started. Hi, I'm Barb Schwarzenchuber, Executive Director of a Smart Cities Initiative in the City of Guelph and the surrounding County of Wellington. A few years ago now, the Canadian government released a Smart Cities Challenge, asking communities to identify and respond to a community challenge using data and technology and social innovation. The City of Guelph and the County of Wellington were inspired to launch the Our Food Future initiative with the aim of creating Canada's first circular food economy. Our collaborators and champions are leaders in all sectors of our community, business, academic, social services sector, social innovators, health, school boards. They are all working together to implement our collective vision. We're really using the circular economy framework and principles to reimagine the food system and to address issues that are a direct result of our current linear economic models. So things like climate change, food insecurity, declining health, inequality, etc. Some pretty tough challenges. But over the next four years, we're working with our community collaborators in every sector on a number of projects and experiments in various segments of the food system from farm to fork. And we hope these experiments will help point the way to creating a sustainable regional food system. We have three interconnected goals. To ensure everyone has access to affordable, nutritious food. To create circular food businesses and collaborations that will lead the way to sustainable economic prosperity. And to find new value in preventing and upcycling what is now considered waste. So to do this, we're really turning Guelph Wellington into a a rural urban living lab, an ecosystem where entrepreneurs, food producers, researchers, data and tech experts, and social innovators can collaborate to solve food system challenges. We're working at at a pretty small scale right now, but I think that's probably going to be the only scale that will really take root and have the capacity to grow over time. I believe that transformation is going to come through creating circular and sustainable communities that drive the demand for change and also demonstrate what real world innovations are going to get us there. So in this podcast series, we plan to explore the various aspects of the circular food economy in conversation with our collaborators in the community. And I'm really looking forward to discussing this work that is not only leading the way in Canada, but being recognized internationally as well. So I hope you'll follow along and join in the conversation on our kitchen table platform where you can keep up to speed on our work and ways that you can get involved. Today I'm talking with Ashley Cooper and David Masser who are part of our Smart Cities office team. Welcome to the podcast, David and Ashley. Hi, Barb. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Barb. 
<laughs> I want to start by sharing my way of thinking about what a circular economy is. And, you know, there's lots of definitions out there, but uh, let me put mine on the table. So I really think about the circular economy as an alternative framework for organizing our economic relationships that's truly inspired by nature's circular systems. So, you know, in nature, there uh, is no such thing as waste because everything has value and a role to play as part of this complex interconnected system that's constantly nourishing and regenerating itself, all in support of sustaining the incredible richness of life on our planet. Um, and, a, you know, a human circular economy does the same kind of thing. It focuses on the ultimate goal of sustainability for all life. It always tries to design for resources and goods to go back into nature or into systems where they can be reused or renewed and constantly tries to uncover mutual value through that regenerative approach without compromising the environment. So that's that's how I like to think about it. And David and Ashley, as we chat today, I would love to hear your thoughts about the concept of the circular economy that most resonates for you. You can jump in here and let me know what you think, uh, David. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, I I agree, I agree with what you just said. But another way to look at it, um, I started my career in Alberta. And it's really interesting that, you know, one of the sectors of the economy that has been focused on circularity for ages is the oil and gas sector, um, which a lot of people wouldn't consider. But, you know, it's in energy companies' interests and, and provincial governments' interests to really maximize the value that they're getting out of the resources they pull out of the ground. So outside of Edmonton, the bitumen comes down from Fort McMurray and, you know, it's turned into oil and then the coke or sulfur that comes off that is turned into petrochemicals or plastics or whatever else. And it's really, uh, the resource is viewed as um, needed to be upgraded to the maximum extent possible to deliver um, outcomes for the, uh, for the company and for the province. And, and I kind of think with the circular economy, that sort of resource economy outlook needs to spread to all sorts of other sectors from food to textiles to whatever else, just to make sure that, you know, we don't view things as disposable. We truly view things as resources that we need to take advantage of and maximize. Yeah, that's interesting. The idea that there's something to be uh, taken from that concept of getting which is really a, a, a business point of view, getting the maximum value out of the resource that you that you have. That that definitely is is core to this kind of thing. Yep. And, and economic add design too, to some extent. So the government there makes sure that, you know, we have this resource and they find a company that builds a petrochemical out of that resource that they know is available. And so really sort of from an economic design standpoint, getting all the components in place so everyone can be as successful as possible. Yeah, Ashley, I know you want to get in on this. I just, at a certain point, the whole concept of taking the resources out of the earth is going to is gonna run its course no matter how hard we try to get the maximum value out of it. Ashley, what do you, you want to get in on this? Yeah, I was just thinking that um, on the flip side, I think the circular economy does a really brilliant job of um, sort of building on all of the tools that the environmental movement has also been putting forward, the reduce, reuse, recycle, um, that we were doing all those things in the absence of an economic framework that would, could kind of tie everything together. 
um, and that could get industry behind and environmentalists working together to solve systems change problems instead of being um, at odds with one another. Yeah, there is, um, you know, there's an interesting conversation about what's the difference between sustainability and the circular economy. And um, my view is, uh, you know, we're all working towards sustainability, but the circular economy, I think, as you're saying, gives us a bit of a roadmap, a common roadmap and some some tools. Is that is that somewhat of your point? Most definitely. I think that there's a roadmap that um, is showing us how we can humanize our economic system. And it's showing us how we can prioritize the social and environmental alongside those economic objectives. Great, great. Ashley, you know, you come to this work as an entrepreneur in the food system and as an experienced facilitator in community development and program development. This initiative um, is really unique in that it's not being entirely driven centrally, but by champions and leaders in our community. And part of your role uh, is to coordinate our connected yet decentralized governance model that helps us work with dozens and dozens of collaborators across various sectors and segments of our food system. And, and so I'm wondering about the idea that moving to a circular economy within a region or a community is really about a massive system change initiative. Can you can you reflect on the connections between the idea of systems thinking and community leadership and collaboration as part of the path to a transition to a circular economy? Happily, um, <laughs> I think we. I think the social movements have been teaching us that you know systems change cannot happen without diverse voices at the table, and I love this notion of not for us with us. So how can we ensure that the masses are engaging in this systems change, which is big and messy, and most people, they don't have the time or the resources to engage in meaningful dialogue about systems change. And I think the circular economy is offering this beacon of, beacon of light because it's kind of challenging us to shift from a mindset of global scarcity to one of local uh, abundance. So what do our, it challenges our communities to think about and value and protect their own resources. Um, it elevates local people for their um, community connections, for their interests, um, for their skill sets, and empowers those local people to lead um, shifts. And I think this, this circular economy enables systems change from the ground up. And that's why um, the framework really champions piloting and innovation at the, at the local level. It's almost like globalization has taken us as far as it can go, uh, as it can go in this context. And now we're kind of turning back to the local for these clues as to how we can um, create space for critical problem solving. That's uh, really interesting, Ashley. And, and, you know, part of the path back to the local um, and and certainly connecting the local and the global has to do with, um, you know, how we solve some of the challenges of that connection. And David, I'm, I'm wondering, just to pick up from there, um, could you talk about the connection between smart cities and the circular economy? After all, we are a smart cities project and you are leading the aspects of our work that involve using data and tech in our projects and in general to catalyze a transformation towards a circular economy. So can you, can you talk a little bit about how you think those concepts are linked and how do you see it play out in the work you're doing? Yeah, 
it, it's really interesting as a smart city project. Um, a lot of people, I guess, from the tech industry who have I've spoken to before I came here and then since coming here, you know, kind of view smart city as one thing, being sensors on on traffic lights and you know a lot of sort of um, initiatives that cities run that are focused on improving the uh, operations of the city as a corporation or improving uh, you know things like transportation, policing. Uh, kind of standard smart city approaches. What's quite different here is that the government has a very minimal role in what we're trying to achieve. What we're trying to achieve is really trying to do something much bigger where we're getting all areas of, of the food sector, everywhere from you know producers to food relief organizations to, to retail and, and everywhere in between um, to come together and, and view the system differently and behave differently and and really stretch out even to the general public to behave differently. So when thinking about um, data and technology uh, in this sort of context, it, it really takes um, a different sort of approach to focus on creating that sort of awareness, I think as a very, as a very first um, step, and then creating pathways to action. So with the work that we're doing, I think it's, it's kind of starting with creating a, a common data layer um, across the food system and find creating some infrastructure where we can get different parts of the food system collaborating and sharing data so that they can understand the local environment in a way that they couldn't before. And so we can start viewing food as, as more of a resource um, rather than just something that exists only in very specific contexts. Um, and, and I think moving forward, one thing technology has shown us is that it can do two very two things very well. One is it can help people communicate um, and connect in ways that they haven't before. And so using platforms like Kitchen Table, using things like the resource exchange that we're going to be launching in a little while, using this data utility project that we're doing, we're really trying to create platforms for people to communicate and connect in ways that they weren't before. Um, and then hopefully through this, we can also uh, use technology to scale great ideas. And that's, that's the one thing technology has been really useful for is if we find those openings and, and find uh, business cases that make a lot of sense, we can use a technology solution to help scale it. And so across this whole big messy project, um, we're trying to find these different interventions and different points where we can put solutions in there to learn more than we knew before, build connections where we didn't before, and then implement solutions in a way that can scale much faster than you know just a smart city office could do, uh, or a, or a specific not-for-profit could do. We want to make it much bigger, and hopefully, so you know, we can build something here that'll grow beyond our region, across Canada, around the world, uh, using those solutions. That's a really important point, the point about scaling. And certainly in the current environment, if we didn't have technology uh, in those platforms for communicating and um, sharing ideas, uh, we would we would definitely be in trouble. I, I also am um, curious about what you think uh, about what comes first. I know in this project, we've really tried to cook up the ideas first and then the technology comes second. Do you want to say a few words about about that and and what your sort of philosophy is around how you how you bring technology into a project? Yeah, absolutely. I think um, 
this is completely a project where, you know, the community, the relationships and, and the rules need to come before any of the tools. Um, I spend very little time thinking about technology solutions and most of my time thinking about what are the use cases? What are the situations? What are the problems that technology or data could solve? And then how do we get all the people across this big messy system on the same page to want to work together to do that? And then after that, you know, we can, I'm sure there's a technology solution that we can plug in and fix it with, but it's um, very much needs to be bottoms up um, rather than technology first, I think. Great. Good. Um, so we we have a we have a few minutes left, and I really wanted to get to this question, which is, um, you know, I've, I've been I've been looking forward to hearing your answers. And this question comes from the idea that really the best part of the work that we're doing is that the people that are showing up to work with us, like the two of you, on these initiatives are you know all in. They're passionate about the work, and they're really coming uh, to the work from both a personal and professional perspective and you know I think some of that is because food is really so elemental to who we are as humans and Ashley you kind of alluded to that earlier on it's you know em emblematic of how we express our love how we care for each other how we come together as a family with our friends and community so I want to wrap up our discussion today by asking you to share a little bit about a memorable meal a family or cultural food tradition or a connection to the land and growing food that's meaningful to you and ask you to use that as a jumping off point to uh, reflect on, um, you know, what about that do you think you're bringing with you to the work and your passion for reimagining a better food system? Ashley, do you want to jump in first on that one? Sure. So I um, I love this question, Barb. Thank you. It's um, it's it's allowing me to dream about spring, and I think that's the first meal that I've been dreaming about. Is so I grow I grow some food in a community garden uh, here in Guelph, and I've been growing food for uh, over fifteen years. Um, and that first sort of harvest in May, if I'm early enough with my seed planting, of uh, like beautiful tender lettuces and spicy arugula and some beautiful kale with some you know chives and edible flowers thrown in there is very special for me to share with my family and I think I bring that um you know that love of food growing and that deep understanding of that hard work um that farmers do um to the work in the smart cities office um I my passion is seeing farmers elevated and celebrated in our society um, I don't want to see a single farmer living in poverty um, anymore under crippling debt, or I don't want to see another family lose their farm. Um, we should not need to distribute charitable food, and there really shouldn't be any food waste. So really, I want all of our jobs to be obsolete so I can go back to farming. <laughs> <laughs> that's great <laughs> wow you you have me dreaming about that that first meal in this in the spring and summer too what about you david um i think mine's a little similar i mean uh i don't know if i i necessarily was thinking of food as much when i when i came to the smart cities office here i i came from a bit more of a technology um, approach, I think. But um, before I moved to Guelph, I lived in downtown Toronto, right on at Bathurst and College. And on my balcony, I started growing hops because I, I brewed beer, but then learned that 
like with just some bins on my balcony, uh, it grew from, I, you know, I started growing some lettuces and tomatoes and it grew from a couple of bins to about 12 bins to a bunch of bags on the wall. It was a Western facing. So we just got enormous amounts of light. And so really coming out to this balcony um, was like this lush garden uh, right in the middle of downtown, even though it was a very small amount of space. And we produced a significant amount of our food there. And then when I actually moved to Guelph um, uh, and, you know, bought a house, I was able to, you know, put in big permanent bins and and apple trees and peach trees and cherry trees and all sorts of other stuff, um, which, you know, eventually I hope the squirrels will let me eat one of of my fruit. But um, it, it's really been amazing coming coming into this and, and having, I mean, a lot of knowledge and passion from you know what, what's been a hobby to this point that then you can apply right into a lot of what we're doing here um supporting local food growers and, and the local food ecosystem so it's really amazing that's terrific well uh thank you thank you guys so much for this interesting conversation today i have to say it's a tremendous privilege to work with both of you and uh, all of our collaborators who really bring um all of your interests and passion to this work and um it's it's incredibly it's a great blessing and it's uh it's terrific so thank you very much thanks thank you i'm barb schwarzentuber executive director of the smart cities office and host of in conversation with our food future thanks for joining me and if you have ideas for a show or comments you can email us at foodfuture at wealth.ca until next time take care and let's keep the conversation going on foodfuture.ca.